0: Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Mike Force Podcast. It's me, Mike G. Same old podcast host. Um, Hope you're having a good day. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. You got to subscribe, and you got to hit the notification tab, or you won't know when I drop podcast. I am doing a shorter. Oh, audio listeners, please go to YouTube because you can see my face. You can see things that we talk about, like tourniquet application and all the good stuff. Uh, It's important to uh, make sure that you tune in to both. Um, I am wearing a Nildirt t-shirt. This is the shirt that I designed for Philcraft Survival in support of Neil Curry's family. If you didn't know, you should know that Neil Curry passed away, one of my favorite people on this planet passed away and it's tragic. But we won't focus on his death, instead we'll focus on his life. And since I've been in Utah for the last couple of years, Philcraft Survival and Ready Gunner Neil's company has done a toy drive for toys for tots. That's raising money to buy toys for Toys for Tots, and that's donating toys collection boxes at our companies and then consolidating those so that toys can be provided for kids who are impoverished in our own communities. And this goes out to support Toys for Tots across the nation, but you know, guys go, oh, you could do so much more. Yeah, we do that and we do Toys for Tots because it's important to me and it was important to Neil. So we're not gonna stop doing that. So if you go to the link below, you could buy this shirt. $5 of every shirt buys a toy. And $5 of every shirt goes to the Curry family. There are financial hardships that surround deaths and families. Uh, and I want to support Casey and his girls the best way I can. So thanks for supporting the mission. You guys could also donate toys directly to Philcraft HQ. And you could use the address 2211 West. 3000 South, Unit C, Heber City, Utah 84032. And we'll leave that in the notes below as well. Or you could rewind it, 2211 West, 3000 South, Unit C, Heber City, Utah 84032. You could send toys directly there. We're taking toys all the way up into the first week into December. Guys, got a lot to talk about, changing the format up a little bit. I want a 30-minute podcast. I want to be able to podcast for 30 minutes. And That's important because I want it to hit your commute, so I'm going to focus on the headlines as it relates to preparedness and all those things, and I also want to talk about talking points regarding those pro tips to help educate you on things that you could do to get best prepared. If you haven't heard, you should know also that Phil Kraft is releasing a book, and it's authored by me. So. I came out with a book because Penguin Random believed in me. A lot of you guys uh, did as well. I even did a fundraiser back in the day for a book raise, and you're all getting that book. That's the first copies that I'm buying. It comes out June 6, 2023. That's a long time from now, but uh, I want to put it on your radar because it's cool that a big publisher like Penguin Random believed in a broad topic of survival and preparedness and is willing to take the chance in me, and I won't let you down. The book is complete. Just finalizing some things, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting it in your household. Um, first of all, let's focus on headlines because there's many around all the things that we talk about in education at Phil Survival. Let me just open up this thing because I do this in real time. Yeah, if you didn't know, Elon Musk is detonating over at Twitter because he took over. He brought in the kitchen sink, and he's um draining the swamp. His first act. He fired the acting CEO, the CFO, and the, uh, the person in charge of like filtrating all the false information that Twitter often post and tweet, and then they get rid of all the other people who they don't agree with, which is the bias of their company. I'm not a TikTok watcher, but in all the media related to this, I saw a TikTok on the media and it showed a video of this employee who lives her best life at Twitter. She goes in, does a little workout, does a little yoga sesh, and then she goes up to the restaurant where she can get a cooked meal and gets her snacks and her lickies and chewies. Not like she's doing a lot of work, and more like she's doing a lot of play. And Maybe that's the environment at Twitter, but that wouldn't be the environment at my company. Your ass would get fired for something like that. So Not that employees can't be comfortable, but this was pretty aggressive. And I think Elon Musk has a lot of trimming of the fat. And the headline by the New York Times, and I pull these headlines from wherever they live, uh, I had to dig a little deep to find this that was a little less biased compared to all the drama because the media is scared. That's a good thing for us. Like, if Elon Musk, who I respect greatly, who believes in First Amendment constitutional rights, says that he's going to go in and clean house and the media reports all the negative and making it political, because that's what they do, then they're in fear. That's a good sign. So I'll I'll read you a headline. says, Elon Musk, Twitter faces exodus of advertisers and executives. Oh, no. Oh, no. Man, I probably can't afford to advertise on Twitter, but I wouldn't mind doing it. Why not? Because I don't want most of the woke companies that, I don't know, that advertise on Twitter because they can get in away with it because they're suppressing the people they don't agree with. At least five Twitter executives have left in recent days as one of the world's largest ad companies said clients should pause spending on social media platform. San Francisco, go figure. Published, Twitter is facing exodus of executives and skittish advertisers on Elon Musk as his advisors take control of the social media company, prepare to lay off employees, and make changes to the product. You think? Um, I think one of the main reasons that Elon did this is ego. But it's also he believes in freedom and he believes in First Amendment rights because he's seen First Amendment rights get violated because of radicals who are running Twitter. I mean, the original owner, Jack Dorsey, got one billion dollars in cash to go away, which he needed to do. I'm not even a Twitter person. I have a at Mike A. Glover one on Twitter. I tweet occasionally. But I've already noticed I've gained thousands of subscribers in the last week. You know why that is? Likely because Twitter and its algorithm and the manual processors uh, don't agree with old Mike Glover and this whole field of preparedness because I'm radical. Well, what do you think's happening? He's trimming the fat of radicals in his company because radical goes both ways. He says, He fired, including the chief marketing officer, the chief customer officer, the head of people and diversity. I mean, these are guys who made millions of dollars a year and they got millions of dollars to just go away. Head of people and diversity. How good of a job are you doing? Not too good. And and the head of product. Have departed the company in recent days, according to seven people with knowledge of the matter. A lot of experts in business that I respect are saying he's not going to make money. I don't think this is a money play. I think this is a cultural play. Because the narrative, the woke narrative, is controlling the conversation, and that's scary. We already see what it's doing to this country across the nation in different ways. Um, I like what he's doing. He said, one of the world's largest advertising companies issued a recommendation on Monday through its media agencies for clients to temporarily pause their spending on Twitter because of moderation concerns. I don't know. Where there's loss, where there's anxiety, there's an opportunity. And I think there are a lot of opportunities uh, for advertisers to go. And because they're not woke, because they believe in, in freedom, because they are libertarians, because they're like me at Phil Survival, who gets labeled by the FBI's militia, violent extremists, and domestic terrorists for saying that we want people to be better prepared. And that's controversial. Well, um, yeah, there's an opportunity here. I won't go on anymore about this. Thank God Elon Musk, a billionaire, is putting his money where his mouth is. I would say that's the very small minority of conservative billionaires. I don't even know if, I don't think we even know if Elon Musk is a conservative. He seems pretty moderate in his logical responses to things and just middle of the road. He's not extreme in any which way. But just like I was talking with somebody recently, the new conservative is moderate. I mean, if you were a conservative five years ago, because you're like GOP supporter, conservative, you're now just a moderate. Because if you're a conservative GOP member, you're a radical. Crazy, crazy. Oh, just real quickly, he says, since then, Mr. Musk and his advisors have been working on product changes and major cuts to Twitter's rank and file. Managers at Twitter, which has about 7,500 employees, have said they're finishing up list of high and low performing workers, most likely with an eye towards layoffs. Peace out. See ya. All right, here we go. This is a controversial one that's going on around the interwebs. And I wanted to address this because I've been talking about EV. Oh, it's so doomsday that we're talking about electric vehicles. And I get it. I kinda. Um, when I talk about electric vehicles, I like it because it's fun. Like, you ever driven electric vehicle? Dude, they're a blast. If you didn't grow up with remote control cars, then you kind of will get electric vehicles if you have. Because electric vehicles, when well, my dad used to race electric cars, electric remote control cars at the hobby shop in our town in South Daytona Beach, Florida. He used to compete, not in the same competition, but used to compete with guys who had gas-operated remote control vehicles. I've had both. Have you ever driven both? They're radical in different ways. The difference is you charge one and you provide gas in another. A fossil fuel in one and a fossil fuel really in the other because coal drives electricity a lot and then whatever. Well, one of the distinctions you should understand is if you are on the grid most of the grid, about 80% of the overall grid, is privately owned. In my case, Lake Jordanelle, which has a dam, provides uh, hydroelectricity through the hydroelectric dam in Jordanelle to provide power to my house and 13,000 other subscribers who belong as members to a private co-op. I say co-op, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm paying for uh, electricity from a private company, a private entity. Yes, a lot of the infrastructure, because it runs across BLM and National Forest, is providing the infrastructure support to transport that electricity, but the overwhelming majority of electricity is privately owned. Now, why would that make a difference? Well, it's a little bit more robust than a supply chain of delivering gas across the country from North Dakota, Texas, which the majority of it in America comes from, and the oil refineries in your local neighborhood, I mean, like state. I have five oil refineries north of Salt Lake City that provide the fossil fuel that is refined in different ways for diesel, gas, and the list goes on. Now, what would happen if a natural disaster, civil unrest, protests, name it, a catastrophe shuts down the supply chain? Well, everybody will go to the gas station. Oh, by the way, I'm not making up a hypothetical. This is what happens all the time. It's happening right now in Florida. I mean, we're coming out of it. But when Hurricane Ian hit the west coast of Florida and the Gulf side, uh, it destroyed Fort Myers and a lot of towns, including their infrastructure, their gas stations, their supply chains, the highways. And so how do, you get, how do you get gas? The answer is you don't. The answer is in a catastrophe, everybody goes to the gas station to fill up their tanks. And then when they run out, they're dependent on the supply chain of truck drivers and tractor trailers to deliver that from wherever the oil comes from. Nationally, it comes mostly from North Dakota and Texas. Outside of that, the oil refineries, uh, especially west of the Colorado uh, Rocky Mountains. And that's a very big difference between the supply chain issues you see and your electricity. I have seen places where the electricity goes out and the gas retains, where the gas doesn't retain because it runs out and the electricity retains. So I'm just saying, look at both. I mean, the Ford Lightning's awesome, but I ain't paying 70 to 80 with a markup, $1,000 for it. I saw a video last night where a guy took a Porsche 911 and put an electric vehicle in and his. Dude, I am going to do this. Maybe this is the announcement. I have a 1983 Porsche 911. Dude, I'm doing this. Because it's an outlaw Porsche, I'm going to take the engine, which is the 3.0 liter engine, which is a Porsche engine. No, I probably won't sell it. I, I maybe sell it to do a budget on this. I am going to put an electric engine in that vehicle. I'm going to do it. Why? Because it's cool. Have you seen the Hunitron that was just released by Ken Block? This Audi electric vehicle that it's so insane. Dude, this stuff is fun. Outside of the political crap, like I don't care about any of that. Dude, do you? Let's talk about the fun stuff. So let's, uh, I'm sorry, I digress. It was a long digression. There goes my 30-minute podcast. But let's get it back to the headline. The headline U.S. diesel suppliers warn businesses to prepare for shortages, higher prices for consumers. Why? Fuel supplier Mansfield Energy is taking steps to prepare for a diesel shortage on the east coast of the U.S., issuing an advisory to business. This just came out two days ago. Last week, Mansfield Energy raised a red flag on the upcoming diesel fuel shortage in the southeastern region of the U.S. Sucks to be you. No offense, but like, I love the east coast. I love Florida. but I'll never live there. Uh, My mom wants me to move to South Carolina because she relocated there. Uh, I'm a West guy, but sucks for everybody affected by this. Uh, One of the issues last week, Manso Energy said it could be from the poor pipeline shipping economies and historically low supply of reserves. On a normal day, the East Coast markets have 50 million barrels in, in storage. Right now, half that. That's scary. A tight diesel supply will force prices to go up, which will eventually make it too expensive for some people. Got a diesel truck? I know I do. I got three of them. What do I do about it? Well, I got to suck it up or come up with alternate diversified means to think outside the box. I don't know. Get a motorcycle that runs on unleaded gas that gets 100 miles a gallon. I don't think they get 100 miles a gallon. I just made that up. Mansfield warned that at a U.S. economy level, consumers may feel pain at the pump. But for businesses that rely on diesel for operations, supply will still be available. But if you're a consumer and you're driving around a pickup truck, you're screwed. Luckily for the Southeast region, besides the F-boys who drive around with uh, 50-inch wheels with 22-inch tires, I don't think that's a thing, but their wheels are so big, uh, and they have these weird suspension setup. up. Um, you guys are screwed. But um, there are a lot of people who use the utility of a diesel pickup truck pulling things. You're going to be affected, and that sucks. Where does this go? That is not to say there will not occasionally be situations there is a true physical lack of products. Some cities might run dry on diesel for a few days, at least at the terminal level, but the fuel supply chain is dynamic, and suppliers will rally to fill in the gaps of supply. Do you want to bank? Throw all your eggs in one basket and bank on them saying, but the fuel supply chain is dynamic, and suppliers will rally to fill in any gaps in supply. That just means they're blowing smoke up your ass. I'm not buying into it. Diversify. What that means for you depends on where you live and depends on your pattern of life. You commute to work and you take your diesel pickup truck and drive five miles to work, get your ass on a bicycle. Figure it out. That's what you do, especially to be more resilient. Figure it out. All right, Fed rate hikes. Can the Fed fight inflation without triggering a meltdown? We're in a recession. Just get your head wrapped around that. Usually after an actual recession, it's not called a recession until the historical values of after the naming of it, they say, yep, yep, we've been in a recession that whole time. Sorry, we, now it's official. Just take it from me and all the economic experts who will tell you right now we're in a recession. What does that mean? What well, means a lot of economic uncertainty and certainly security for you and your job because you might be laid off. If you belong to one of the many corporations who are laying off thousands of employees, Traeger, who I love. I got their grill in my backyard. I've done marketing with Traeger. Love him. They fired the marketing guy that we did a relationship with, with Phil Kraft, Survival, Andy Stumpf, all these awesome relationship and synergy. They fired that guy. Why? Because they put everything else besides the people. Not saying that there's not a time and place to lay off people, because Twitter is the perfect example of that. Sometimes the fat just needs trimming. But in this case, where is there opportunity for small business? And I'm regurgitating what a lot of experts have told me in the financial sector, but I am not a tactical instructor that has a very small business. I run a multi-million dollar company that does a lot more than we advertise in the first place. We do media, we do marketing, we do training, we do products, we do distribution, we do government sales, we do military training. We have a lot of eggs in our basket, and the last thing we'll let go is people cuz people are the commodity. They are the value. Now, a lot of businesses who are very big, they will lay off people. You have to diversify your own life and navigate that situation. But if you're a small business, where is it? There's an opportunity. Because as these big businesses scale down everything from advertising, marketing, and employees, there's an opportunity for you to get opportunities to advertise and market at record-breaking prices. So if you had a podcast advertisement you wanted to do with, I don't know, Craft Survival, because we're accepting advertisers on Craft Survival, email us at info at Survival.com if you're interested in that. We are allowing companies to come in and advertise with us at cheaper rates because a lot of companies are being affected by this. If you want to go on Ben Shapiro and get an ad, Dan Mangino, Black Rifle Coffee podcast, the list goes on, Andy Sump's podcast, you could do that now at a bargain. You could also, if you're interested in it, become more resilient, more diversified by working on your homestead, by focusing on your side hustle, by campaigning on YouTube and building your own business. Man, this is the perfect time, right? Here, in my own economic situations, I want to sell my house. Because I can make a lot of money off the original price of my house. But the interest rates are hiked so high, it's hard to get into anything else. But if you live in a city and state where I live, Heber City, Utah, not even a city. I mean, the population is like 16,000 people. But there's an opportunity in some of these insulated markets that aren't affected by all the things that are happening. You live in Los Angeles, good luck. You live in San Francisco, good luck. Because the policy and everything else is driving that place into the dirt. People are leaving those places in records, in troves, but they're not doing that in Utah. I mean, hell, we're, we're actually getting a lot more people coming in and influxing in here, which is helping us. And there's a lot of money here, right? Which means the people who have, I don't know, that are in a lower bracket of, of their pay scale, that are um, middle of the road, well, they're being protected and insulated by their democratic and fiscally responsive policy um, controllers the government officials the politicians i think that's important to note like maybe it's a time for a relocation maybe it's time to build resilience in your own life as this economic situation affects the stock market affects real estate affects big picture but is that really affecting you i don't know i see it as an opportunity i'm being optimistic about this let's get to the last little piece but not least because it's certainly one of the most significant things i've heard and of interest As I put this into the queue of the Google machine, I had to dig for it because we're not advertising that American boots are on the ground in Ukraine doing anything. Now, a lot of people would be surprised, but I'm not, that they're spending 20 years in the military and seeing all these things unfold. I'm not at all surprised. We've been on the ground. I know we have in different form factors, a lot of those form factors for good, justified reasons, but man, do we really want to be involved? Uh, on the fringe of nuclear war, guys, we're talking about a place, Russia, that has thou- look, they have bad sucky tactics on the ground let's let's just call a spade a spade. Like, man, the Russian military is getting their ass handed to them. But what they do have is time, a lot of people, a lot of legacy, which includes ego, and nuclear warheads. So what would that mean if we were to get involved in a nuclear war? You think we have economic issues right now while we're trying to bail out, You know, I don't care about the political, I'm very neutral in this situation because if I was a student, I would want the, the loan and the debt relieved, but we're going back and forth with this. Why? Because we're sending $40 billion to Ukraine while we're in a recession and trying to handle economic stability in our own country, but we're sending $40 billion to Ukraine. Now, according to Reuters, three in four people support us supporting Ukraine, but what the hell is the strategy? Has the White House come out and talked about a strategy and an end game? So we criticize Republican presidents and all their drama because they're not stopping wars, but we get out of Afghanistan like it's our first day at kindergarten. We don't know what the hell's going on. We're destroying rapport, destroying lives literally, physically, and getting people killed, including 13 Americans at the tail end of that. And now we have a uh, war. Proxy being fought in Ukraine with no out, with no strategy whatsoever. I'm sure there's a strategy, but nobody else would tell you because they feel like the American people don't need to know that. Well, that's why you're going to lose in November. And that's why you're going to lose when I hope DeSantis and Tulsi Gabber runs. Yeah, I said it out loud. I think that's the first time I said it. Out of all the candidates I've seen, they're not even uh, officially announcing. Out of all the people that I've interviewed, that I've communicated to, that I've heard, I believe DeSantis and uh, his handling of the hurricane and his logical, sensible leadership and accountability of these woke dorks who are trying to overtake our culture has the right strategy and tactics to be a good president in leading a team. The country isn't led by the president. It's led by his administration. That's one of the reasons that you're facing this situation. On top of bad leadership and President Biden, you're also seeing a administration which has a whole bunch of agendas going just full bore and they're completely destroying this country. So what we need is logical and reasonable change. I think DeSantis is the person. Tulsi Gabbard, you say? Yeah, she left the Democratic Party because of all the corruption and she's articulated that to me. In fact, I just interviewed her on the Black Rifle Coffee podcast with Evan Hafer and she said all that and more and on her podcast, which I recommend you go to, one of her first podcasts She interviews and talks about her Second Amendment position. Listen, I don't know if I would support her as a candidate. I like her as a person. She's a veteran. She's a woman of color, which is whatever. I mean, I I don't care who you are, what your background is, but I, I respect you because she comes from a diverse background. I just think it's cool she's different, and we need different in our government. And she subscribed to certain policies. She saw the corruption, and like a good person should do, Don't subscribe your ideology based on the ideas of a party. Do it based on the values that you hold near and dear to your character. And she did that. And she's changed her tune in policy. I don't know what her policy was before, but her policy now on the Second Amendment is she believes that the position of it is to stop tyrannical governments from overthrowing the people. It's we the people. I buy into that. She's telling me I believe her. She's a lieutenant colonel in the reserves, a former congresswoman who has. Nothing to gain from the position she's in, except a lot of scrutiny, a lot of criticism. And I like that. I think it would be perfect. I think it's exactly what this country needs, and I'll be standing behind her. And hope she makes makes me the ambassador to Libya, so I can go back to Libya and clean house. AQ, you don't stand a chance. And I want to hang out in the Mediterranean. Again, I spent a year in in Libya. Loved it. All right, so U.S. military conducting on-site. Dude, I just went down a rabbit hole. Uh, U.S. military conducting on-site weapons inspections in Ukraine. A small number of U.S. military forces inside Ukraine have recently begun doing on-site inspections to ensure Ukrainian troops are properly accounting for the Western-provided weapons they receive, a senior U.S. defense official told Pentagon reporters Monday. According to DefenseNews.com, the official who spoke on condition of anonymity to provide a military update would not say where the inspections are taking place or how close to the battlefront the U.S. troops are getting. The official said U.S. personnel can't do inspections close to the front lines, but they said they're going where security conditions allow. That could be anywhere, guys. That could be anywhere. Am I alarmed by this? No, you shouldn't be alarmed by it anyways. But does that make sense for us? I don't know. You know why? Because I don't know what the hell we're doing there in the first place. I don't know what the strategy is. Do I think we should be supporting Ukraine? Certainly. Especially all the support that we gave them prior. I mean, we kind of turned coat, tucked our balls, and got out of the, the hell out of Dodge. But there are a lot of things that we were doing prior that were helping. But what was the instate state in that? We like to get our hands in a lot of crap overseas. And from somebody who used to live that life in special operations, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed going to Africa, to the Middle East, all over the world, interacting with other host nations, military and government agencies, and doing cool stuff. But you know what? Right now, the situation that we're in is like, You're worried about going out and spending your money running the streets when you should be worried about your home and taking care of business in your household. Like family first, take care of your house and then take care of your block, right? You can't support your community if you're not squared away. And if you're not squared away, you can't take care of your family. So the priorities for me are a little wonky here. I don't know what support they need because I'm disaffected from all the ins and outs that are Ukraine because it's it's complex. But are we going to end up in the same situation on a broader scale? meaning Afghanistan didn't have nuclear warheads. Russia does. I'm not saying that we need to change our support necessarily, but I'd like to know exactly what we're doing in that support, and i also like to know the end game. Because if the strategy is just dumping billions of dollars into militaries in Ukraine and fighting a proxy war against Russia, which is essentially what we're doing now, I'm not on board with that. I'll be on board with it short term with a strategy that we line out very quickly. And this is something I'm going to be paying attention to candidates in talking points because I want to make sure um, I I hear all the feedback so I can make the best informed decision when it comes to election time. Guys, it is election time. Right now, you can go and vote. I already did my ballot. I voted for Mike Lee as a representative, who's a Republican in my backyard, and the rest is private because I don't put that out there. But you have the opportunity to make change. Yes. There are considerations for things that change at the federal level via your Congress, men and women, but also the Senate, but also the people and the elected positions that affect you most closely. The sheriff, the superintendents, the state and local boards that do all the things like put a damn airport and expand on it in Heber City. And what the hell are you guys doing? So keep America small. I'm just putting that out there. But you need to get involved in local politics because those are the true politics that are going to help you. And most people's excuses is, "Ah, there's this new thing that came out on Netflix and I'm I'm trying to watch this. Mike Glover had a new Patreon video that came out. I'm going to subscribe to that. You could do that. Do that. Patreon link below. Hopefully the the editors hear this. But I just want to say thank you for listening to the Mike Force podcast. Thanks for paying attention. Uh, One of the things that I like to do uh, weekly is do this little 30 minute update. If you think this 30 minute update is a little bit better than the uh, past, uh, because you just don't want to hear me run my mouth about things that I talk about often, then let me know. I'm hosting people on the Black Rifle Coffee podcast now. It's super fun. I appreciate the graciousness of them allowing me to do that. I'm selfishly bringing in my own network of people that I love and adore, and I think you'll like the same people. I have, who's the next guy I'm bringing on? Um, I want Tucker Carlson on a podcast. I want Steve Rennella. Evan just stole that from me. Thanks, Evan. I want a lot of scientists. I want a lot of little weird, wonky people um, because I get a podcast in my home studio, which I'm here at right now. And if you have ideas for hosts for the Black Rifle Coffee podcast, leave those comments below and leave all your feedback below, as always, on YouTube. If you listen to it, subscribe to YouTube. If you don't and you watch us on YouTube, make sure you hit up and subscribe us wherever podcasts are found. Until next time, hope you have a good week. Until next time, peace out. Later, guys.